Good to be back with you folks, uh, precious brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm enjoying the sun. Our hometown today got about uh, 12 inches of snow. Uh, no, I'm not kidding you. Just talked to our daughter there before leaving tonight. We were chuckling about it. Good to be with you folks. I, I wanted to share tonight uh, from a passage that we're very familiar with and uh, take a few things from there tonight and just hopefully uh, the Lord will bless you as he's blessed me uh, just going through this. I wonder if we could turn to Second Samuel chapter 12. I'm calling uh, this, just give it a little title, The Anatomy of Repentance. The Anatomy of Repentance. So we'll look at this uh, story that we're familiar with uh, tonight with um, Nathan and uh, David. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1. And he came unto him and said unto him, There are, were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, of his own herd, to dress for the warefaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord liveth, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave, thy, gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would have moreover given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan said unto David, The Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Albeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, 
And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And we'll just stop reading there. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you, O God, and thank you again for thy precious word, O God. And Father, tonight we just pray a blessing, Father, as we open up thy word. Thy word is truth, O God. We just thank you that heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall endure forever. We thank you, Father, that you've given us uh, this precious book. Lord, tonight we just pray for each and every one that is here. Once again, O God, you know every heart in this room. You certainly know every hurt. You know every need. And Father, Lord, we just uh, pray a blessing. And we pray for your presence. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting to note, just by the way, (laughs) that um, David's anger that comes out here, it's... um, I think it's true in this sense that if you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you're going to have a short fuse. If you're out of fellowship with the Lord, you'll have a short fuse. Something to uh, keep in mind. The fruit of the Spirit, of course, is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? And if you're... It's just um, something that, uh, that spoke to me as I read this passage. So five things that we'll look at tonight in the anatomy of repentance. Of course, we know what repentance is. It's um, a turning around, agreeing with God. And um, the first thing I want you to note, and I think this is uh, true in every case of repentance. And of course, tonight we're going to focus more on repentance for the Christian. Because we know that the, the Lord Jesus said, Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. So we know that for the unbeliever, he must repent. Otherwise, uh, uh, cannot be saved. But we'll apply this to ourselves here tonight. And so, this would be the anatomy of repentance for the Christian. And I think this is a good example, isn't it? David's a believer. David is uh, called a man after God's own heart. So let's look at a couple of things. First thing about repentance is that God initiates repentance. God initiates. Look at verse 1 of, um, of Samuel here. Uh, it says, uh, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. God initiates repentance. I think he does it in different ways with different individuals. But um, I pray, uh, and I prayed um, about this meeting, that if there would be anyone here that needed to repent, that God would use this time here tonight to do that, to speak. And that's the way I think, in a lot of ways, uh, I think probably the most frequent way is By the preaching of his word. The word of God um, is powerful, the Bible tells us, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to penetrate even unto dividing joints, marrow, soul, and the spirit. It's able to judge the attitudes and thoughts of the heart. And nothing is hidden, and everything is laid bare, and is naked 
before the eyes with whom we have to do. So the word of God, God initiates repentance by using his word, by using his word. Um, it says in 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26, and again, I think this is more for the unbeliever, but it says, to those who oppose you, you must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. So God initiates repentance. We'll have nothing to boast about, right? In heaven except the Lord Jesus Christ. Because even our repentance comes from Him. So God sent uh, Nathan with a message to David. Now, we could spend some time here tonight, and we won't, but we could, just going over the background of this story and to think of the courage that it took Nathan to come and even tell this story to David. David was the king, unopposed, no rebellion. Um, and yet Nathan comes with a message uh, from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, maybe we could just turn there for a second, there's a passage here uh, that speaks to us uh, of uh, repentance that is uh, found in the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, and um, it says this here, the Apostle Paul is speaking. And um, anyways, we know the, we know the background. He, he writes a letter. Again, God initiates. Paul hears about the sin that is going on in Corinth. And... Um, he, there's more than one sin, but one that was uh, particularly uh, troublesome to the Apostle Paul. And, and he writes a letter. <laughs> well, we can read the letter, First, first Corinthians. And um, look, look at the response, he says, in verse 8 of Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8. For though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. What Paul's saying here is that um, sor there's, there's, there's sorry and then there's repentance. There's two different things altogether, right? Worldly sorrow. Uh, you know, I, I, I use this example because um, my brother was an alcoholic, my oldest brother. And... Um, I often talked with my brother David about this. Uh, he would share things like he was always sorry. Every time that he, uh, you know, that he would drink, which was a daily thing, he always said, I wish I could quit. I feel bad. And um, I, I'm involved in the jail ministry in, in, in my hometown. And uh, you see a lot of people sorry for what they've done. But that's not repentance. And that's what Paul is saying here. Uh, there's a difference. 
there's, there, there's godly repentance rather than worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow, because worldly sorrow leads to death. And the reason is, is because nothing changes. Like, for prisoners a lot of time, it was, sorry, I got caught. It, uh, repentance is a turning around. It's literally a military term. You're going this direction, and it's 180 degrees. Now you're going in this direction. That's what repentance is. And uh, for alcoholics, and, you know, they go through the 12-step program or whatever, uh, you know, some of these things I'm not saying are bad, but it doesn't lead to repentance ordinarily. Because repentance comes from God. See the difference? And as Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, who were full of sin and full of pride, um, God worked in them, and they had a turnaround. They repented. And they acknowledged uh, their sin. I remember a time uh, once I was preaching at a conference in uh, Ontario, Canada, and uh, a man came up to me. I was preaching. I, I, I was preaching on the home, and it was a men's conference. So I was really speaking about men's responsibility in the home, and I was just using some personal, personal, uh, uh, personal uh, experiences, and of course, based on the Word of God. And I remember um, this guy coming up to me afterwards and said, "Tony, my 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 house is." completely out of order I want to follow Christ but my wife's not with me and you know the children are getting mixed messages and I said well you know Joshua said and I don't mean to minimize this or you know not be sympathetic I was very sympathetic with the guy but I said God's called you to be the leader in the home and you're going to be responsible for that home. Not your wife, not your kids. You, sir, are responsible for that home, spiritually. That's a big responsibility, isn't it, men? Now, God has called you to be the head of your home. So I said, you know, I, 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 I take nothing back from what I preach, brother. But I remember this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember making a commitment to the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And um, he wrote to me about a month after, and he said, Tony, for the first time, I went home, I prayed all the way home, and I woke my wife up, and I had a talk with her. And he said, our home has never been the same since. He said, it's been unbelievable how she responded. I said, hon, I love you dearly, but I'm going to take, I'm, this is the, what we're going to do as a family from now on. And I'm going to lead. Now, I know it's not always that simple. But what I'm saying is, you see the, the repentance in him? God used a general message to probably three or four hundred men that night. And as far as I know, um, that one guy was the only guy that, that I, I got any kind of response from. But you see, God initiated. Do you understand what I'm saying? God initiated through the Word of God. 
a response that changed his home. There was a repentance in his heart, first of all, and then in his family's heart afterwards. So the first step to anatomy of repentance is that God initiates it. It's of God. And tonight we are praying for backsliders. We're praying for uh, the lost. God's work. We pray, but it's God's work, right? To change hearts. God initiates repentance. That's number one. Secondly, the response uh, after, or at least, when David gets angry about this little story that uh, Nathan told him, um, David focused in on the man, the rich man. But Nathan had something to say to him, and he said this, David, you're the man. You're the man. The second step in repentance is no rationalization, no comparisons, no excuses. If the Word of God fits and God is speaking to your heart, don't rationalize it. Don't wish that somebody else was here listening to the message. The message ought to apply to you. Right? And Nathan just put his finger out and said, David, you're the man. You're the man. There was a time that Jacob, life changed. He had a wrestling match. I don't understand all of this. I read it. Um... He had a wrestling match with God, and um, it was a it was a it was a, a very important night in Jacob's life because after this night, when you read anything about Jacob, there's no more backsliding on his part. He wrestled with God, and isn't it interesting that God, when he wrestled with him, kept asking Jacob, "What's your name?" Jacob, what's your name? Well, like, Lord, you know what my name is. No, no, that's not what God was asking. God wanted him to mention what his name was. And this is very significant. Because God was trying to initiate repentance. Jacob, what's your name? Finally, you know, it's Jacob. Yeah, that's right, Jacob. Because what does Jacob mean? A conniver. Jacob, all of your life, you've been a conniver. And I want you to admit that. You see, repentance is there's no more excuses. It took, it took um, Jacob all night of wrestling with God, having a fighting match with God, because God was trying to get his attention. Jacob, what's your name? What's your name? And you know what, Christian? We ought to take the Word of God and turn it on ourselves and we, ought, we might even have a name. Let me give you a couple of them. Uh, how about Lusty Luke? How about Lusty Luke? Anyone here that that fits? Lusty Luke? 
How about jealous Judy? How about bitter Herb? I, I picked that out myself. How about uh, busybody Betty? How about liar Larry? Folks, I, I don't know. What's your name? Usually, and uh, the problem, I think, with Christians to some extent is we're not honest enough with each other, right? Um, because, well, my wife's honest enough with me. I thank God for that. Because when I'm out of line, it doesn't take my wife long for her to say, you know what, Tony? You're out of line. And she's brutally honest about it. And I usually don't like it. But it's usually really good medicine for me. Because she's right. And But you know what? Christians oftentimes, we're nice with each other. And we don't see our own problems. We see everybody else's very clearly. But we have a blind spot for ourselves. True or false? I think it's true, isn't it? And um, because we rationalize everything that we are, right? We can rationalize it. Well, you know what? Listen, that's just the way I am. Well, that's not the way you are. God's given you uh, the Holy Spirit. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want you to be who you are. God wants you to be like His Son. He wants me to be like His Son. And no excuses. If I don't have peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in my life, well, you know what? That's Tony's problem. Right? Because the Holy Spirit's living within me. And if I allow Him, He'll turn Tony Martin to be like Christ. But the anatomy of repentance is that we have to no longer rationalize. We have to admit with God, by His Word, exactly who we are. And what our scar tissue is in our lives. As the writer to the Hebrews said, the sin and weight that so easily, easily besets us. What is that? brother and sister in our lives. What is it for you? What is it for me? You're the man. Third, the third step in this anatomy of repentance is acknowledging the cost of sin. Well, we read about David's response in two Psalms. Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Tremendous Psalms that I've read over and over and over again in my Christian life uh, when I sin. When I, um, I, when I don't follow uh, what I should. Let's, let's look at this just for a minute. Uh, let's turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Acknowledging the cost of sin. The cost of sin. Look what, um, look what David writes here. Blessed is he 
whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. In the first two verses, David mentions here how serious sin is. Because he uses three terms for sin. And there are three different terms here used. One is transgression. The other one is sin. And the third one is iniquity. And David acknowledges all three of these definitions of, of, of the major sin. Right? And what he's saying is, uh, is transgression, you know what transgression is? It, it's doing uh, what I shouldn't do. It's sort of like uh, going across a line. You know there's a line? You know what our line is, right? There's a line there. And we know it. We have a conscience. We have the Word of God. There's a line. Uh, let's look at David's sin. David knew what the line was. I mean, maybe, uh, I mean, you know, he would have been uh, a lot safer that night out in uh, the battle, <laughs> battlefield than he was on his rooftop. But that's where he happened to be. He, st- he hasn't sinned, right? He didn't, he didn't transgress. But uh, when he saw Bathsheba, there's a line there. He still hasn't transgressed, right? He saw her. Folks, we live in a cesspool. If you haven't noticed. We live in a cesspool. I mean, you'd, you'd have to literally pluck your eyes out, right? I mean, you can't even watch uh, a, a, a TV show, right? It would have made my grandmother blush just watching a, a, a PG-13 or whatever, right? It, it's, it's, it's all around us, folks. But we haven't transgressed yet. There's a line there, Right? David crossed that line. He went over the boundary that God had set before him. You know what? He saw her. Okay, stop. Put on your running shoes. Get the Adidas on. Out. Back in the house. Turn around. Right? But do you understand? So David's acknowledging. What he, when he's writing this psalm, he's saying... Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. I, I, I went past, Lord, I went past the boundary that you set for me. And then there's sin. He says, um, he says, uh, whose sin is covered. Well, sin is missing the mark. Now, the Bible says that if you know that you ought to do right, right? And you don't do it. That's a sin. <laughs> that's pretty tough, isn't it? I mean, when you think of that, right? I mean, transgression, we can sort of get, we get our mind around this because there's a boundary. Yeah, you know what? But if there's something that we ought to do that is right and we don't do it, that's a sin. How many times has that happened in my life? When there was a need. Or whatever, and I didn't do it. God said that's a sin. 
You see, what David's saying here, as he, as he, as he writes this psalm, he, he's understanding who God is. Because David's not making any more excuses. What he's saying is, you know what, Lord? I passed the boundary. But not only that, there was something I shouldn't have done. Or there's something then, he says, sin, there's, I missed the mark. There was something I should have done. And that was honor Uriah, the Hittite. I should have honored him. I didn't do it. And then there's um, iniquity. Iniquity is uh, like a bent. David is saying, you know what? And he says this in Psalm 51. He says, you know what? From the day I was born, or even before, really, I mean, I was shapen, he says, in iniquity in my mother's womb. You know what, folks? We've got a bent to us. It's um, what the Bible calls depravity. We're depraved. That's what iniquity is, folks. You see, David, in repentance, what God, God initiates it. We acknowledge that we're the man or the woman that God is talking to. And thirdly, we acknowledge that God is a holy God. And that we're bent. Our wires got crossed. Our DNA ain't right. All of this stuff because of sin. And we, we're, we have a tendency to what? To go towards sin, don't we? That's our nature. And that's all David's saying. David's saying in, 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 a, in a very, very uh, dramatic way. He's saying, you know what? I completely missed the mark here. I've completely missed the mark. Uh, iniquity is like taking something that is beautiful and uh, distorting it. Isn't that what the world has done with sex? They've distorted it, haven't they? They've taken God's wonderful creation and they dis distorted it. That's what iniquity is. And then, um, David was told by Nathan, you despised you, you really see David acknowledging his sin because Nathan said to David uh, what we read earlier in, in 2 Samuel. You know what? God said through Nathan to David, you despise me with that sin. Folks, you know what? I'll tell you, when I've sinned, I need to think about that. Just, God, I... I mean, I, I might have been doing that, but I wasn't thinking I was despising you. You see how sin, how, um, how terrible it is? You know, I was brought up as a Roman Catholic, okay? And, um, like, for me, there was, there was, be, there was uh, white sins or venial sins, and then there was, uh, you know, uh, mortal sins, Okay? And there was a distinction there. Like if I lied to you, that was a venial sin. Okay? Say a couple of Hail Marys and whatever, go to confession, and it was all forgiven. At least the priest told me it was. Right? And, uh, but you know what, folks? I mean, you know, when I got saved, I realized, you know what? God takes sin so seriously that the penalty for it is death. And it took Jesus Christ to go to the cross and to take my place 
All because of what? Sin. Sin. See, in repentance, we need to understand the seriousness of sin. What it does to a holy God. You know, I think sometimes we play with grace a little too easily. That's, that's my take on it. God is a forgiving God, right? You can come to Him, it doesn't matter how many times you blow it, and God will forgive you. That's a guarantee. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God. But, I think sometimes we, 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 we take that grace a little less seriously than we should. That's me. That's Tony's opinion. Based on my own life. I don't know about yours. Fourthly, fourthly, Confession of sin. Confession of sin. What did David say in response to Nathan? Didn't last long. At least from what we read, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. That was David's response. Didn't say anything else. Not there, at least. But when we read these Psalms, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, you really see David's heart. You know what confession is, folks? It's agreeing with God exactly what God called the problem in your life. You agree with it. Again, it's going back to to point two to some extent, isn't it? Acknowledging that you're the person. But what's the problem? God will put his finger right on it. Might not feel so good. But we need to call it exactly what it was. Because that's what confession is. Confession is agreeing with God. So if I'm going to confess, God, this is what I've done. Say it. Say it. Don't rationalize it. Don't soft pedal it. Say it. That's confession. David said it. David knew exactly what he had done. Of course God knows what you've done. But confession uh, is, um, is saying exactly what God says. And then fifthly, fifthly, casting ourselves on the mercy of God. The anatomy of repentance, the fifth point is this. We cast ourselves on the mercy of God. Isn't His mercies new every morning, brothers and sisters in Christ? Isn't it wonderful? You know, I'm sure you've experienced this. Isn't it wonderful when you come to grips with the fact that you've offended God, but you go to Him, you ask for forgiveness, and you know that He has forgiven you. That's what David is saying. And that's why David was a man after God's own heart. Because David's response to his sin was not that, you know, because sometimes people think they get in so deep that they can't come back. They're ashamed. Now, you can imagine, folks, think about this for a minute. Here's David. You think he was the laughing stock, the Bible tells us, of Israel. He blasphemed the name of God. And yet David writes these Psalms as a forgiven man. And you know what I love about God? He forgives 
and he forgets because he chooses to forget our sin. He says he'll cast it in the depths of the sea and no fishing, folks. If you're, if you're living in the past because of the thing, some things that you've done, and, uh, you know, you, you, you can't get past it, well, you know what? That's, that's not God. It's not of God. If you're still, uh, uh, still feeling like a second-class Christian because you haven't felt forgiveness of God, that's not coming from God, folks. That's coming from your enemy. It's coming from Satan himself who will trip you up, who will discourage you. The thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy. That's who it is. Because God wants you to be white as snow. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though thy sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Folks, you can't get any whiter than that. I know because of where I live. Snow is very white. And that's what God wants us to understand. When we repent, God says yes. Because look at this, and let me close with this. Psalm 51, and this is a verse that I want to leave with you tonight. And uh, in verse 17, Psalm 51 and verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. God wants to bring us to a point of repentance. Bring us to a point of brokenness. We agree with Him. We're the man. We're the woman. God. And then God will wash us clean. He will do His job. The Lord Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. We can't have abundant life, folks. It's an impossibility if there's sin in your life. If there's a sin or a weight that so easily besets, it will rob you, Christian, of your joy. It will rob you of your peace. You can have a smiley face here tonight and be out of whack with God. And tonight I pray that God would speak to us, each and every one of us in this room, about who we are. Let's acknowledge it before God. Let's come clean. And let God do His work in our lives. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank Thee, O God. And I thank You, Father, for these precious folks here tonight. And I ask You to bless them, O God. Father, we thank You for the forgiving God that You are. Father, we just claim the work of the cross of Calvary. O God, that blood that was shed without... Uh, the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But, oh God, what blood that was shed there on our behalf, Father. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And my sin, and these uh, precious Christians' sin too, Father, dealt with at the cross, never to be remembered again. Oh God, bless us tonight, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.